Oh, hey, Todd. How are you? I just realized that uh, somebody pointed out to me that you always call me Todd, and then I always address you as Dr. Wignall. Kind of like it that way, though. You're very formal. It's good. Super. Somebody has to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick reminder to our li- listeners out there, our wonderful listeners who we just adore. Uh, for real, we appreciate you guys. Um, no one else will listen to us, so I'm nobody <laughs> out there who does. Um, if you get a chance, please uh, give us a rating. Um, that always really helps in iTunes. Or, um, you know, ask a question. Hop on to, we've got an Instagram channel where you can ask questions, or you can email us. Um, we love questions. It gives us, um, you know, new, new ideas and new topics to talk about. Otherwise, we just, you know, we'll just keep going over the same stuff. So, uh, <laughs> and, it, and it does help. It, it really does. I think a lot of viewer comments and suggestions and or, or, or questions have, have definitely shaped the podcast over the over the months and years. Um, uh, so we, we definitely listen. We, we're not great about responding sometimes, but we definitely listen to those things. And, and you're definitely having an impact on the things that we talk about and, and kind of the overall format of the, the podcast. So we appreciate it very much. All right. That said, what are we talking about today? We're talking about um, how people make choices uh, about their behavior and, and kind of a couple patterns that that maybe we see a lot um, in in our offices about how people are motivated to maybe to behave in their lives, um, and and some people in particular can be very motivated and think a lot about and spend a lot of time thinking about the things they want to avoid. Um, experiencing. And then some people seem to think a lot about and are motivated by the things that they want. Um, and I thought it might be useful to talk about uh, the difference in those two approaches and, and, and how they play out. And then um, maybe give some helpful tips about how to, how to um, move your thinking and, and motivation around a little bit to be more beneficial to you, to the listener. Yeah. So is this like a good, bad thing? Like, is one of them better than the other? And we should all be more aversively motivated or more appetitively motivated moving towards things? Like what, um, wh- what are these patterns kind of you, you tend to see um, with your clients a lot? Well, I mean, it, for example, um, depression and anxiety, people tend to be pretty, pretty focused sometimes on the things that they don't want. And, and they spend a lot of time thinking about the things that they don't want, which is what we would call maybe an aversive uh, motivation. So a lot of their behavior is designed around avoiding certain experiences or certain outcomes. And a lot of their thought is, is taken up by thinking about things they want to avoid and how they'll avoid them. Yeah. Um, and, 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 to, and, and, then, and then people who are kind of motivated in a way that, that I will label as appetitive, um, which is kind of thinking about the things that they want or the, um, a lot of their behavior is designed about um, pursuing the, the, the things they want. So two different, very different kind of sources of, of motivation. And, and you're right, there's not one um, distinct good or bad type of motivation. Um, this tends to be more um, a conversation for people who really struggle um, to switch back and forth adaptively between the two. Mm. So what would be an example of um, maladaptive or unhelpful motivation in either direction. Like, okay, let's take someone who's um, anxious, let's say social anxiety, right? And so they find themselves like 
avoiding a lot of uh, particular types of situations and events, cocktail parties, get togethers, gatherings, barbecues, whatever, stuff like that. Um, or even certain type of types of people who, you know, make them anxious or, or uncomfortable. Um, so like, what's the big deal? Like if, if going to barbecues, like with lots of people stresses you out, like why not avoid that stress? Or if like certain people kind of make you feel anxious, like, yeah, why not just avoid those people to, to play devil's advocate here? This is a really good point. Of, of course, all of us are trying to streamline or, or create a, a, a life or existence that we're, we're happy with. And it's, it's normal to kind of say, Ooh, I don't like those kinds of experiences. Let me not do those. Um, but I, I think sometimes aversive motivations or trying to avoid something um, can be really much more about avoiding a momentary kind of um, situation or feeling rather than a long-term kind of payoff or gain. So someone with social anxiety may say, man, I'm really nervous in these groups and parties and things like that. And I'm going to avoid that because I don't like feeling anxious. Understandable and makes sense. However, it definitely cuts you off from um, the possibility of creating new social contacts, enjoying those events, um, fostering relationships, nurturing relationships, all of those things. And so you can find that these aversive motivations are, are more around kind of short-term avoidant strategies that, that make long-term kind of meaningful connections and, and behaviors more difficult and challenging yeah, or so impossible. You're, you're basically not doing an extensive enough cost-benefit analysis. <laughs> There's the one initial admittedly painful cost of like, uh, it's always really awkward and uncomfortable when I show up at a cocktail party. And sometimes the whole thing is just uncomfortable and, you know, like I never really kind of vibe with anyone and it's just a rough, stressful experience. Mm -hmm. But what you're kind of alluding to is even if, you know, only 10% of the time when you go to cocktail parties or social gatherings, you end up meeting someone new and hitting it off with them, the potential to like form a new friendship with someone you really enjoy really does in the long term outweigh that initial social um, anxiety and discomfort and, and awkwardness. So you, you got to think carefully about what am I giving up big picture for a relatively momentary relief from something uncomfortable. Avoidance of something, right? That aversive. Yeah. And, and a, a really good example of this might be, I, 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 I teach college courses every once in a while and um, I'll meet students who are designing their, their course um, or their degree almost around avoiding group presentations or classes oh. that require a, a group presentation because they get so anxious or nervous, mm -hmm. you know, in those situations. And understandably, those aren't pleasant all the time. Um, but to, to escape a momentary, um, you know, 20 minute presentation that might make someone really nervous, um, big long-term compromises are be, being made maybe about the degree or the courses or, um, the professor and, and some really meaningful kind of um, experiences might be um, also um, kind of cast aside when you decide to avoid certain emotional experiences or certain thoughts, right? And there's the real danger, I think, in, in aversively motivated. That's your primary kind of motivation in avoiding things is that you can't avoid everything, uh, simply put. And, and a lot of times people are, are end up trying to avoid it's not the party, it's the nervousness and the anxiety that comes with the party. And so you're trying to avoid something that is everywhere in life, which um, being nervous or, or um, people looking at you or, or, you know, if you're trying to avoid these things constantly, it's, it's a really difficult game because you can't entirely. 
Yeah. So part, okay. So part of it, one argument is opportunity cost, basically that the cost of that temporary relief from some initial anxiety is these major losses of good experiences, friendships, whatever. But the other one you're kind of alluding to is like the slippery slope argument where once any one avoidance is probably not a big deal, right? But it easily becomes a habit to where you're basically just avoiding everything. Um, and that's the unavoidable. Really, you're yeah. trying to avoid the unavoidable. And you know, that gets nervous. super problematic. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The third thing, the third thing though, I would say is that if you can imagine your headspace as you're trying to avoid all sorts of things, it's not a very pleasant headspace. It's a very fearful or depressed kind of mindset when you're constantly going through all the things that might go wrong in a situation and whether you should avoid it or not, um, rather than really being focused on what you, what you want. There's, there's a, there's an emotional cost that comes with that thought process of constantly trying to avoid things. Right. It's, it's, it's anxiety provoking. It's depressing. It's, it's difficult. And so there's this emotional, um, um, sequelae that kind of comes with that kind of a thought process. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was a big word. Sequelae? Explain. Please. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, kind of the, the secondary issues that come up when you see a behavior. The, I mean, yeah. the, there's, yeah. there's, there's that, there's the, the, the primary kind of um, cost, but then there's all sorts of other costs that come along with that or, or symptoms that come along with that okay. that are painful. Yeah. Yeah, a couple other ways I think about this is the um, in terms of like having a fuel tank, right? We've all kind of got a fuel tank of stuff that makes us feel good and energized and, and then stuff that kind of takes energy out of us, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the big consequences of being too avoidantly motivated is you miss out on tank filling activities, right? So you, yeah, because you don't want to feel, you, you don't want to do group presentations, right? You don't take the class with the professor who you know is awesome. Like that Dr. Sewell guy is amazing, right? (laughs) I would learn so much from him. Just my mind would be expanded tremendously, you know, if I took a class with him. Uh, And so, yeah, I, I think that's another these things that like, it seems like, okay, going to the party or taking this class with the, the does group projects. Oh, it's going to be like, it's going to be hard, not only hard, but it's going to like sap me of energy. But often on the other side of that is a, you know, an energy giving activity that will offset. So it'll be net, a net positive in terms of energy. Um, and so I think that's, I think that's really key to think through too, is what sorts of en- like kind of energy giving tank filling activities are you giving up? by avoiding situations that are temporarily uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. And, and then just the, yeah, the mental process of constantly trying to avoid and look for things to avoid, you know, and is itself and, tank empty is itself <laughs> tank emptying and stressful and anxiety provoking or depressive in, in, in nature, you know, to constantly kind of be asked to do something or, or get the opportunity to do something and then rifle through really quickly. Oh, what are all the things that could go wrong here? And that I don't want to experience and, it's not a pleasant exercise to do that to yourself. Yeah. On the contrary, if you're, if you're motivated appetitively though, um, usually you're, you're much more focused on what you want. So there's assertive behavior there. Um, And you know, that assertive behavior and necessary component of that, as we've talked about it is the acceptance that discomfort may be present, but you want this thing bad enough. You're going to experience it and go through it anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would argue that that there is the recipe for well-being 
is is um, accepting negative experiences or negative emotions or, or whatever might be there in, in the service of what you want, connecting to that meaning because of I, what you want. I have a dilemma here because theoretically, I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. Practically, though, I, I don't think this is how I live my life. I think, and I, I think I am incredibly aversively motivated actually. <laughs> like I spend a lot of time thinking about things that will stress me out and things I don't like, and then deliberately trying, you know, setting up my life so that I minimize stuff that stresses me out. Like I, I dedicate a lot of mental horsepower to that. And I think it pays off. Like I, I feel relatively stress-free most of it. And, and maybe that's a fault. Like maybe that's just circumstance and maybe I'm just lucky, but I got to think some of it has to do with the fact that I am very intentional about being vigilant to and setting very firm boundaries on things that I dislike and that are stressful and uncomfortable. And of course there are always some things that are uncomfortable that you have to do, but, but I, that makes, it makes me wonder like if, if I was, so what do you think about this? What am I, 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 don't, I don't think we're disagreeing at all. I think you're, you're reaffirming probably because I would, I would almost guess, Dr. Wignall, um, if you were my patient and you said that very thing, I would, I would then guess that um, it's not that you have a problem being assertive. It's that you're, you're really trying to c- cultivate a certain experience, um, whatever that is, and that you've kind of picked up on things that are maybe emptying your tank of gas um, and you're trying to eliminate those, but it's not that you're doing it at the expense of the things that fill your tank. Yeah. I mean, in, in reality, I, I feel like being very thoughtful about eliminating things that I find stressful or, or conflict, yeah, drama, that stress. That actually lets me yeah, do yeah. the things I really want even better. Um, yeah. I, but, I think you, I think you want both of these skills. I really do. I mean, I, I think you want to avoid probably financial hardship. So you save in here in the future. Right. Right. Um, I think you want to avoid um, a drinking problem. So you watch how much alcohol you consume and in the ways you consume it, there, there's no problem with wanting to avoid things that might cause undue um, stress. What we're talking about though, is avoiding things that um, you may find really rewarding because parts of them are painful or just uncomfortable for you. Yeah. So that goes back to the, the cost benefit analysis. thing. Yeah. 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 So one final point I'll throw out here that I see a lot um, working with, with people with anxiety disorders is the other big downside to being primarily avoidance motivated is when you habitually, I'm not talking about one offs every once in a while, but when yeah. you habitually avoid something to your brain, to the fear center in your brain, that looks like running away. That looks like escape. And mm-hmm. the logic in your brain is like, gosh, like he or she seems to like try to escape all the time from this thing. And if they're trying to escape something, they must think it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So every Scary. time there's a party, right? They run away and they don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, parties must be dangerous. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're training your brain to think of something that is un- uncomfortable, but not actually dangerous, like going to a party and being socially awkward. You're training your yeah. brain to feel like it's literally a threat to your survival, mm-hmm. right? Which is why you get this frustrating conflict of like, I know I should go to the party. Like, it'll be fun. I could meet someone interesting, but like, uh, I just really don't want to, you know, yeah. that, that part of you, that's a lot of times because you've been training your brain to think of something that is uncomfortable as literally dangerous because yeah. you're it all the time. 
That's yeah. And then you're teaching the yourself to avoid discomfort. And, and there's the, the real, I mean, I, I tell my clients all the time, we're always either learning or reinforcing. Yes. You're, you're constantly either yes. learning or reinforcing. And, and so to watch your, watch your choices and your behavior, because you're either teaching yourself something or reinforcing something. Mm-hmm.